Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Press Box Banter. I am James Hilchin of StadiumJourney.com and today I am joined by the Supervisor of Communications for the Colorado Rockies, my friend and yours, Shelby Cravens. Shelby, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to see you in person for the first time in a while. It is great to catch everybody up. Shelby was the Director of Media Relations in Iowa and prior to the season took the job with Colorado. So while we miss her in Iowa, she's doing great things in Denver. And so we are happy for <laughs> her and we will carry on in Iowa. Uh, so you took the job literally right before the season started. Yes. And correct. so did you even have a chance to see Denver before you came to work? No, not at all. Um, as you said, it was right before the season started. I think I accepted the job about mid-March and then moved out here the last weekend of March. Um, thankfully, just for my own peace of mind, the minor league season was moved back a little bit. So they started a month later, which isn't a lot of time to prepare, but I felt really, really bad leaving at that point. But I knew this was this was a good next step for me. Um, but yeah, I moved, drove out to Denver the weekend, last weekend in March. Started my job on Monday and opening day was Thursday. Um, nice. So just full sprint since then. So another interesting thing that happened, you got your job, you started, and then literally probably what, a couple weeks you find out, not only are you conducting a season, but you're getting the All-Star game this year. Right, that was probably two weeks into my stay here, um, which, you know, as a baseball fan, super exciting as a new employee very overwhelming um i remember being in some of the first all-star meetings and you know zoom conversations with mlb pr and people like that and them asking a lot of questions about about our operation and different rooms they could use for different things and how things were going to be set up and of course i wasn't the only rockies representative on um, we had the rest of our department on and my boss corey little who has been here for a long time but I just kind of sat there like, well, I, you know, I need to know those things too. I have no idea. I can't answer any of those questions for you. Wish I could help, but I still can barely find my office from the parking right. lot. So, you know, not, not too much I could contribute to that conversation at that point. Cool. So it went well, it seemed. I saw, I just saw it on TV, but um, how does one shuffle daily Rockies duties along with trying to put together such a big production? A very little sleep leading up to the event. Um, you know, it was just trying to fit in those meetings and everything. And um, it is an MLB event. They just kind of use our venue and we have a lot to do with, again, helping them find the correct rooms and, you know, making sure people have the correct credentials and making sure everything is set up appropriately. But it is not specifically our event. We just kind of help with it. Um, there were a lot of hours put in on our end. And what we did leading up to the event was I was actually on the road with the team and then the rest of our department was back here. So I was doing all the regular team stuff and just doing that all on my own, which was a lot. And they were handling all the events here. And I actually didn't get home until we played Sunday um, leading into that was when the Futures game was and the Celebrity Softball game. And so all of those events were overlapping that weekend with our games and All-Star activities. And then got in late Sunday night and was here, I think, at 7 a.m. Monday morning to get ready for mm -hmm. media stuff and the home run derby. So it just 
was such a blur and it was so much fun to be a part of though. Cool. Yeah, because you got you had what, three months to prepare? Yeah. Yeah, about three and months. And a couple of weeks ago they announced Seattle was getting in twenty twenty three. So yeah. our buddy Alex Mayer gets almost two yeah, years. I know. And you got a couple of months, so that seems fair. Uh, one of the things you mentioned about your new job is you are occasionally traveling with the team. Yes. Uh, if you were in Iowa and traveled <laughs> with the team, it would largely probably be hopping in your car and driving to Omaha or somewhere. Yes. So is this a lavish deal, your own planes and nice hotels? and? It is a little fancier than flying commercial. Um, you know, it is just a regular plane, but it is a chartered flight. So they basically drop you off on the you know, right on the tarmac and you show your ID and get on the plane and everyone has their own row and, you know, there's no, I come to the ballpark in the morning, you drop off your bag, it goes on a truck, it magically ends up in your hotel room wherever you nice. land. Um, it's a pretty smooth, slick process. It, you know, I had to fly for a wedding in August to California and it was the first time I had flown just domestic commercial in a long time. And I will tell you, I've been a little spoiled because I was very annoyed with the security and the, the whole process. And it was a, you know, it was a much more drawn out process than, than we're used to here. And, you know, you, you have so much flexibility with, in AAA, you have a drop dead time where it's like, well, we got a flight to catch. Right. At some point we have to stop playing this game. And, and here you don't have that. You just, if you have to leave early, you leave early. If you have to leave late, you leave late you know, mm -hmm. and of course there's some back end preparation on that, that I don't know how that works. And we got a, um, great guy, Paul Egan's that handles all of that for us. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty slick system. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So other than that, what are your main differences that you're seeing between working in minor league baseball and working in major league baseball, other than the fact that there's a lot more people and yeah, a ton more people and not only just the organization as a whole, but in our department. And I think that's a couple primary differences is that there are four people doing just media relations here. Well, ours, ours is some, some organizations have business communications and media relations. Ours are one and the same, but you have four people doing what one person was doing in Iowa, basically. And I'm only doing media relations, whereas in Iowa, I was handling social media, a lot of the community stuff, had a hand in promotions, had, you know, you were kind of involved in everything there. Um, so one of the beauties of being here is being able to focus and give a little bit more attention to one specific thing and do it really well. Um, that being said, I would not trade my years of minor league baseball for anything because I think I learned so much more being involved in all of the aspects of the operation than I would have just coming through and doing media relations internships, um, mm -hmm. you know, to really understand what goes in, what stadium ops does on a day to day basis and what, what goes into planning promotions and what's behind social media. You know, it's not just taking 10 seconds and throwing a sentence together and pressing send on a tweet. You know, that's right. a, that's a tough job. It, there's a lot of, a lot of creative process goes into that. There's a lot of attention that that needs. Um, so being able to, I feel like I understand those avenues a little bit better and it helps me interact with other people in the organization better. Cool. Prior to Iowa, you did some internships. I know you were a Utah Jazz mm -hmm. intern. Yes. 
And God, I wish I could find the picture. There's a picture of you with what's his name? Rudy Gobert. Who's yeah? What? Seven two, I believe. Seven two. Very um, tall. Most of the people listening don't know you, but yes, I can tell you, Shelby is not the tallest human being on the planet. No, no, uh, I'm, I'm very content. Five foot on a good day. Five foot if I have a nice pair of sneakers on with a little lift to them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, okay. So. so yeah, this picture is really something to see. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, so did you always know you wanted to work in baseball or you just wanted to work in sports or? I was actually really focused on baseball for almost my whole life, you know, up, up until, you know, throughout elementary school, my sister actually ended up getting a theater degree and is an actress and everything. So she was my older sister doing the singing and dancing and acting thing. And so as any younger sister, I just did what my older sister did until one day I said, this really isn't that much fun for me. <laughs> I don't think I like this very much. So I started playing softball at 10 and got into watching baseball with my dad. And then my mom and my sister were the first ones. They started working concessions at the Ogden Raptors Rookie League um, field in the summer when I was 12. We had to be 13 to work there with a parent, which I don't know if that's even legal anymore. Um, but I had come to a couple games with them and I thought it was just the coolest thing ever. So I was just counting the days until I could serve hot dogs with my mom at 13 years old. And that's when I decided, you know, if I can convince someone to pay me to show up at a ballpark every day, that'd be, that'd be pretty neat. Uh, of course, at 13, I didn't know what jobs you could actually do in sports. And I thought I was going to be eventually hawking beer up and down aisles or something like that. And I think I've landed in a better position than that. Uh, but I worked at that job every summer from 13 till I graduated high school, six summers there and did a little, ended up doing a little bit of everything there as well. And then as I got to college, I got a little bit more on kind of the quote front office side of athletics and everything and got some more communication and media experience and kind of found my niche within the sporting world. So it's been a pretty long, long path for me, but I've, I've been on the same road for a long time. You put on social media at one point, <laughs> a picture of some school document of some sort. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you said, I think I want to work in baseball. Yeah. What grade was that? I think that was that was in high school, so that was probably yeah. junior or senior year. So it was a little bit later, but yeah, you know, kind of had that goal in mind for a really long time. Oh, you're doing it, so that's really yeah. cool. Because <laughs> I don't remember what I wanted to be in high school, but I know I'm not doing it right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your dad, mm -hmm. and you and your dad have like the coolest dad kid bonding thing <laughs> ever. You guys don't go fishing. You don't do whatever. You go to major league ballparks mm -hmm. and watch games. How did that start? And two questions, I guess, after mm -hmm. that. Number one, does it count now? Because I think you guys played Texas this year, and I'm yep. pretty sure your dad was down there. Yes. Does that count? We're counting it. Um, okay. We think, you know, that's kind of the only way we're going to get ballparks in now. Um, it's True. a little bit different. Yeah. But, you know, we still got to be there. We got to spend some time together. And, um, yeah, so I'll go back and how that started. It kind of started about I really got into baseball all at the same time with working for the Raptors and everything. And so when I was, when I was 12, um, my dad is from southern Indiana, a little outside of Cincinnati. So he grew up a huge, huge 
Cincinnati Reds fan. So that was about the time I was really getting into baseball and starting to watch it in the summer and kind of starting to, my parents had, you know, at that point, the internet wasn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. So all my early memories of baseball was my parents bought me those massive, like four inch thick baseball encyclopedias. So I would go through and read all the history. And that's why my favorite players, Willie Mays and all kind of the, the old school guys is because I was reading the history of baseball rather than watching a ton on TV because we were in Ogden, Utah. Um, so we went back to visit my dad's family in Indiana that summer when I was 12 and went to my first baseball game. And what I remember about that game is just being in awe of the whole production of just how big it was. And we went to the Reds Hall of Fame they have there and I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, and Sean Casey hit two home runs that game. There's a, two, two things I remember and what I don't remember, but one of my dad's memories is that at one point I just looked up at him and said, dad, let's, let's go to all the major league ballparks. This is so cool. And he kind of said, well, okay, sure. And ever since then, you know, we kind of, my, my parents have moved, moved around a lot when I was a kid and have friends in a lot of places. And so we were lucky to have kind of bases and people to visit and things to see in a lot of different cities. So from there, we just started every, every summer, every family vacation was, okay, where can we get to and what ballpark can we see? Um, so let's visit our friends in Southern California and we can get both, you know, the Angels and the Dodgers in, and we can go visit our friends in Seattle and go to a couple games. And my mom's family's in New Jersey. So that was a stopping point for a lot of, or home base for a lot of those places where you could take the train to Philly or go into the city and all those things. And so that's been kind of our thing for a really long time. And it's created a really special relationship with my dad and I, and then, you know, now working in baseball and the minor leagues, now the major leagues has created a whole nother layer of that relationship. That's just really fun to share with him and, and my whole family. Mm. Um, my mom watches every Rockies game now too. <laughs> so it's really fun. Yeah, I'm sure Alex misses your dad answering all our trivia questions <laughs> every night. Cause, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. No more I have a Cubs for Joe. Oh, well, we miss you, Joe. Um, prior to you getting your job, mm -hmm. you guys had hit almost everyone. Yeah. Right? I know at one point you still needed Toronto, but I think you knocked that one out. We got Toronto, which we didn't realize at the time. We realized when Toronto announced that it was going back to Toronto this year from, um, from Buffalo, we were actually at the final home game that Toronto played in 2019 before the pandemic, oh, okay. before they went back. So that was kind of a cool spot to be in. But yeah, we got that one in 2019. And then we had been to the old ballpark in Texas, um, but not to the new one. And then the only one we have left now is DC. And we haven't okay. been to yet. Yep. So like you, you mentioned earlier, we got to do Texas in a little bit of a different way. Um, I was working and my dad actually went to UT Arlington. So he went down oh, to okay. see some buddies and brought them to the game and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't quite, you know, I didn't get to sit back and have a beer with him like we usually do at games, but he sure enjoyed himself. Sure. And we kind of got, got another ballpark in in kind of a unique way. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the Nationals are on the schedule next year. and. They are. We go, yeah, we go there once a year. So if oh, okay. it's not next right. year, then yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure out. Right. I think we're there. I already looked. We're there in like late April or May or something like that. I forgot. So. I'm confused with the AAA schedule. Yeah, right. all screwed up right now. <laughs> we play the same team 120 times. 
Um, was exciting this year. Oh my God. I'm so sick of seeing Omaha and St. Paul. No <laughs> offense to them, but geez. Um, you've seen them all except DC. <laughs> You're a huge baseball fan. Coors Field removed from the college of conversation. <laughs> what are like your three favorite ballparks? I think you have to put Wrigley and Fenway in another category because they're mm -hmm. just very different and, you know, kind of um, have their own special feeling when you're there. Um, I'm also kind of getting a new layer now of kind of the behind the scenes stuff and the facilities and the press box and which one, which ones I like because of those things. So it's a little bit different, um, but I've always loved now Oracle Park in San Francisco is absolutely beautiful mm -hmm. top to bottom. Um, PNC ballpark in in Pittsburgh sure. is great um, and then kind of one of my unique favorites is actually Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City um, I think that ballpark is just a really cool kind of unique feeling and mm -hmm. um, they've got a cool Hall of Fame in the outfield yeah. and I just really liked that ballpark as well yeah they do um, now there's talk of them getting a new stadium which is kind of weird because that's yeah really nice yeah it is really nice i like that one um, a lot yeah i know it's kind of removed from the city but yeah still right um so you you have a different perspective than baseball fans because you are we're sitting in an office above Coors field right now <laughs> what makes a good baseball stadium to you i mean because for me it's like if there's 18 guys out on the field with a ball, I will find some enjoyment in going right. to that park. Right. But some places are dumps. Yeah. So what makes a good ballpark for you? I like kind of character and uniqueness. So that's why I kind of gravitate towards, you know, Wrigley and Fenway are super special because of that. Um, I actually really liked the old ballpark in Texas. Um, I thought it kind of had a little bit of an old school feel and kind of that uh, facade and mm -hmm. the... Um, whatever you call it in center field and everything so I kind of look for something that's different like what what makes that ballpark stand out um, I also really like nods to the history of the team um, I like you know whether it's Hall of Fame plaques or statues or any anything you know I've always been kind of a stats nerd and as I mentioned I learned my baseball through all the history books and mm -hmm. stuff so I like kind of almost a mini museum feel of what can I learn about your team when I'm here? Because I'm not, you know, traditionally not just sitting reading up on Philly's history, but if I'm there, I'd like to know kind right. of the background and what great players have come through here and what, what significance do the Phillies have in history and things like that. So those, those two things, I think, what is different about the ballpark that no other ballpark has um, and some kind of nod to the history of the team and the ballpark. Cool. Let's change gears a little bit, because when you were in Iowa, we shared the same room for, what, 70-some nights a year, mm -hmm. and conversations went all over the place. <laughs> we rarely have ever discussed the unwritten rules of baseball. Yes. So, this year you had a position player pitching. Mm -hmm. You had a batter swing at a 3-0 pitch and hit a home run, yep. and you had his own manager get mad at him. So I'm going to change sports for a second, and then yes. I'll go back, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong, and it's right. like nitpicking. 
I don't even remember if Luis Robert did a backflip or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did. I yeah. think he just watched it for a right. second and ran. But bat flips, another unwritten rule that you're not supposed right. to. So I was watching, I was spinning around the channels one night mm-hmm. during college basketball season. Yep. I don't watch college basketball unless it's my New Mexico Lobos because <laughs> I don't. So I'm spinning around the channels and I stop and I hear this voice that I recognize, which turns out to be your dad, mm-hmm. who broadcasts the Mountain West games. I don't know who was playing, but Team A was beating Team B by like 30 points with a minute left in the game. Yeah. Okay. I would assume both teams had their subs in. Yeah. But so Team A is trying to run the clock out, and mm-hmm. the guy from Team B steals the ball, goes down and dunks it, and acts like he just won Powerball. Yeah. Okay, the point of all this is, transitioning back to baseball, Right. if Javi Baez hits a home run with his team up 13 nothing in the eighth, I don't really want to see a bad flip. Right. But when Tim Anderson hit the walk-off at the Field of Dreams, he should have flipped that damn thing into the cornfield because that was awesome. Right. So am I nitpicking score and things like that, or am I right? And what's your take? I think there are a couple angles to it, just as you as you mentioned. I am all for celebrating. Um, I think you hit a homer off a position player, and um, there were some arguments that that's not fair. Well, you're pitching a position player, so I mean, up. yeah, right. Um, I I think that stuff is fun. Um, I think it is a game. You are competing against each other, so when you do something good, you should be able to celebrate that. Because everyone knows you're excited. You can't just set the bat tenderly down and run the bases and pretend that you didn't just hit a grand slam and that, you know, the crowd's going crazy and, you know, for fans to be able to stand up and yell and cheer and have a great time and the players are supposed to just be completely stoic about it, I think is very silly. Um, I think there's a difference, a little bit of a difference in baseball and basketball as well because... Baseball, I mean, you can slow slow the game down a little bit and speed the game up, but it's the batter versus the pitcher. So if you're up seven runs, and as a batter, what are you going to do? Just stand there and swing at three pitches and try to miss them and just say, oh, we feel bad for those guys? You know, you, right. you've got to try to hit the ball and still play the game. And so if you happen to get a meatball down the middle and hit it out, you can't just say, oh, that guy's being unsportsmanlike because he hit the fastball right down the middle kind of thing. Whereas, you know, there could be some differences between dunking the ball and kind of, you know, playing really aggressively in, in a blow-up basketball game kind of thing. But I love to see players celebrate. Um, I think that's really fun. I think it, you know, I, I'm always thinking a little bit about how baseball is being viewed from a non-baseball fan standpoint. Um, I understand that people don't like baseball as much as I do, and I can see their arguments of why, but I would love to make baseball more marketable, and I want people to Mm -hmm. see why I find so much joy in it. And I think those little moments, those exciting plays, those celebrations make baseball fun and make it so you want to watch that highlight and you want to watch that bat flip and you want to watch that excitement because when you see someone excited, you get excited. Absolutely. So I, you know, it it translates and, you know, I think that's one way to, I don't know, necessarily grow the game, but I think that that is a way 
to get people more excited about baseball. What about bunting with a no-hitter? See, I, I'm going to differentiate here, too. If you're up 13 nothing, yeah. and the guy is going to bunt right. in the night, that's kind of crappy. But right. even if you're down 2 nothing, if you right. get on, the tying runs at bat. Right. So I'm all for trying whatever works. And, you know, I haven't really thought about where I stand on Buddy. I think I think ninth inning, you know, that's a little tough. That That's tough for me to swallow. But also, again, it's a competitive game. And people use bunting, you know, when their team's just not hitting well. And even if mm -hmm. it's not a no-hitter, that's part of the strategy. That's part of baseball. You know, it's not... You're, you're trying to win a game, you're trying to do the best you can, and if, if bunting to get on is what breaks the momentum, then it is it is what it is. Yeah, okay. So we're good on backflips, <laughs> we're questionable on bunting. All right, um, I guess those are the main hundred rules. Advancing more than one base in a blowout, I'm okay with not doing that. Yeah, I'm okay um, with, yeah. Because you're not taking anything away from the batter. Right, He still right. gets his hit. Yeah. Maybe takes an RBI away, but that's not going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, probably. Right, Right. No. So, all right, cool. All right, we've killed that. <laughs> um, so, one of the things I like to ask everybody is, whether you were there as a fan or whether you were working for the team, what is the coolest on-field promotion you've ever seen? Ooh. That's a good question. You know, I always love the Simba cam. I think that gets a lot of people going. I guess it's not really on field, but you know, the, the video board promotion where they everyone holds their babies up. I think that's really funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of kind of a different angle on that one. I'm trying to think on field. Um, you know, I worked for the Salt Lake Bees AAA team for two seasons, and they had the produce race, which was basically the president's race in D.C., except they ran from the right field foul pole all the way around the field past the third base dugout, which was the visitor's dugout. Um, and in the minor leagues, most minor league teams have bullpens on in foul territory on the field. So not only did you have to run foul pole to foul pole and then continue around, which I ran it once. It is a long way. It is a long way to run. You can't see anything in this suit. And then you have to go up and over the bullpen mound, which mm -hmm. you can't see and you don't know what's coming. And um, some unbelievable just wipeouts on that where, you know, three or four person pile up and just um, very, very entertaining race and i don't think anyone's gotten seriously injured doing that uh -huh. um, but it was one that you probably the only promotion that i've known which inning it was and stopped and made sure i was paying attention you know it was after the fifth made sure i was always paying attention mm -hmm. between between the fifth and the sixth inning yeah that's cool that's a good one i mean i know the sausage races are a big deal in milwaukee yeah the president's mm -hmm. race in washington cool um So you're almost through your first season yes. with the Rockies. Um, what have you learned that you that just has any, has anything stuck out to you that's just blown your mind? Like, wow, I did not expect. Um, two things probably. One is that 
job-wise, day-to-day-wise, this is actually very similar to AAA. You know, we're doing game notes every day. You're, um, you know, we're not really writing post-game recaps, but post-game notes and you're facilitating interviews and everything kind of the, um, yeah, that day-to-day is very similar in a different way because it's a little bit bigger. You have more interviews to set up. It's a little bit more structured and obviously a lot more media attention and everything. Um, the biggest difference is probably the, the jump from what a AAA ball players doing and the facilities and the travel and everything to the major leagues. You know, you're sending guys up and down almost every day. You know, there are guys that are back and forth on their shuttle all the time. And at AAA, you are just a nose away from the major leagues. You're oh. waiting for just someone to get hurt, someone to get, tra- you know, traded, someone, anything could happen for you to get called up. Um, and the difference in, like we talked about, the charter flights and everything, right. and, and in AAA you're busing or you're taking a 6 a.m. flight, and the difference between kind of what you have to go through in the minor leagues, and once you make it to the major leagues, it's not just you're getting paid more, and um, you're playing at a little bit different ballparks. Um, the lifestyle really, really changes a lot, um, which makes it great for the guys who make it here, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I kind of kind of feel for some of the minor league guys. I'm glad I got to see a little bit what they go through to make it to this level in my career. Yeah. You said that you literally had like no time before you got here. Right. Have you been able to sit back and take a breath yet? Or are you waiting for the end of the season to just go, holy crap, I actually made it through the season? That'll probably come postseason. I've had a little bit of time here and there. Um, been traveling quite a bit. It's just been such a such a full sprint since the day I started. Um, that there have been little moments where I get to sit back and kind of appreciate that I've made it here. Um, I've you know wanted to work for a major league team for so long, as as you mentioned before. Um, so there are some moments of appreciation, especially being able to share it with, you know, when my family's been in town or being able to see friends or when people like you come in and kind of being able to um, share with friends and family kind of this this whole experience we're having, um, you know, because my parents put arguably just as much into this career as I did with, you know, they could have easily said when I was 12 and said I want to work work in baseball, they could have said, that's very silly of you to, you know, that's, that's very hard, you know, as a female, you're not going to be able to do it and maybe pick something more reasonable. And, um, they have supported me the entire way. Um, so there's been kind of a long tangent to come back to your question, little moments where I've been able to, I guess, I don't know if celebrate's the right word, but to appreciate how far I've come and to be here. But I think to, really sit back and to digest this entire season is going to take a little while. Um, it's been, it's been a lot and a lot in, in a mostly good way of just really cool experiences and got to meet some really fun people and just, um, yeah, I think off season, once I, once I get a little more caught up on sleep, I'll be able to Mm -hmm. sit back and say, you know, kind of digest this whole season. 
Yeah, I never thought about that actually until now. You came to Iowa in what, 2016 was my first season. Oh man, what a good year to come! Yeah, to right. Well, that's what I got a World Series my first year in Iowa, an All Star game first year in Colorado. So, yeah, you know. Okay, so here's the problem. Now there's nowhere to go. You can't <laughs> get called up anywhere else, right? Right. right. So right. I guess the Rockies need to win a World Series at some point. Yeah, you know that would be fun. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so you're a Utah girl. Mm-hmm. Utah has mountains. Colorado yes. has mountains. Iowa does not. It does not have mountains of any kind. No. Um. And just driving here, I spent most of my life in New Mexico, and uh-huh. you see these big things over yep. the horizon. I'm like, oh man, that's cool. Yeah. I assume you're pretty psyched about the whole mountain situation here. Um, I did not realize how much I would miss the mountains until I left. Um, I had grown up in Utah, had just the whole mountainscape right out the front porch of my parents' house. It was always beautiful, and people would come into town and just rave over the mountains. Oh, it's so pretty. It's beautiful. This is incredible. And as a kid, you're thinking, yeah, it's it's pretty, but you're overreacting a little bit, you know, with their mountains kind of thing. But I, that's all I knew. And then I mm-hmm. left, and the first time I went back to Utah, about six months after I moved, I just remember looking at my mom driving from the airport and being like, Mom, look, look how incredible this is. These yeah. are so pretty. And so after leaving, almost being, you know, it kind of increased as I continued to live in Iowa. And as time went on, I just really missed miss the mountains and miss the scenery and um you know not that i have so much free time in the summer but having Mm -hmm. the option of if i have an off day i can just drive 30 minutes and go on a hike or you know there's a ton of parks in colorado and just a lot of access to outdoors things um so yeah that that was really exciting for me um denver never was really on my list of i would love to move to denver or i think that'd be a good spot for me but as this job came to fruition and as I was interviewing and everything, it actually kind of dawned on me. I think Denver's actually gonna be a really good spot for me and that I'm really gonna like it. And so far I have liked it. I have, again, not a ton of time to really explore here because of baseball season, but um, I'm excited about where I've landed. Yeah, well, I don't think the winters, I mean, you get snow here, but it doesn't seem right. as not, it's, bitterly cold You don't get polar vortexes here. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was miserable. Were you there for that? Yes, I was. Yes. Was it ten days in a row of sub zero? It was I did not enjoy that. At I all. just I just remember being very, very unhappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. I hear you. All right. Well, are you good? I'm good, yeah. We're good? I think all so. All right. All right. Well everybody, I wanna thank you for joining us today. I wanna thank Shelby for hopping on with us. I appreciate it. And uh That's all from Coors Field. So for Shelby, this is James, and to everyone, thanks for listening.